Hello and welcome to the National Cannabis Network, your voice for everything marijuana. I'm happy to continue our series examining how the medical marijuana program is rolling out here in the Buckeye State. While our news feeds have never been busier, highlighting stories of cannabis entrepreneurs touting multi-million dollar startups, one story consistently gets left out. The story of plant prisoners and the impact that prohibition continues to have on Ohio families. Please enjoy the show. So I am here with Peggy Sue and Glenn Keeling. Thank you guys so much for having me up to your house. It's very few people that get to come and see, you know, or even want to come and see and, and be in our environment with us, with what's going on. It's like we've got a disease or something. How did you guys first get interested in, in medical marijuana? Well, we ran, we started in 2014 with Normal. We joined up with Toledo Normal. And then later it was like, well, it's too far of a drive. So we opened our own chapter. Um, we did our own. We were West Central How Normal. We ran that until early 2017 when they shut, the National shut Ohio or Normal down completely. But we, my parents were involved with Normal back in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, as far as I can remember, you know, Normal has been part of my life. It's so cannabis for medical use. I guess I would say I started probably around 98, 99, medically. Um, I got diagnosed with Crohn's in 96, so... Um, but you lived in a different state than you should well, well, yeah, clarify I, I, that. I did live. I lived in several different states. I went from California to Michigan, and then I become a medical patient of Michigan when they passed theirs. Because cannabis does a lot of good for a lot of people, for a lot of things. Cannabis, for me, is... is a lifesaver. Um, I know what I went through with pharmaceuticals, barely able to get out of bed. I mean, I, mean, I was 20, 23 years old, you know, and said that I had Crohn's and I went from being active, you know, running track, playing football and, and working all the time to bedridden because of pharmaceuticals. You know, the, the amount of medicine that I was taking just to battle my Crohn's was just ridiculous and I, I just couldn't do it no more. So, Cannabis for me back then was, was was the only route that I could go that would save my life because I was dying with pharmaceuticals. We have a petition that Carrie Cannon from Washington State started, a little over 1,800 signatures, but I'm kind of banned from sharing anything or posting any links, so I'm having a hard time getting it out there to, like the signature stopped when I had to stop sharing stuff. When you get in trouble, your friends all disappear. Yeah, sure. You know, and if anybody knows, honestly, if, if you have some people around you that you don't want to hang out with no more, catch a cannabis case. <laughs> and trust me, there will be nobody around. And that's what I was meaning, you know, before all this, before the case happened, you know, like I said, we ran normal. Um, we also joined with SWAP, which is Spirits with a Vision. It's a Pacific Rim indigenous group of people. Both Peggy and I have Native American heritage. We do have Native American blood. We're both ordained ministers. Um, we can perform uh, marriages. We do marriage counseling. Between normal and SWAP, and being, you know, counselors, there was a lot of people that used to come here. Average of 17, 18 people a day, you know, and that was, you know, for counseling, either uh, picking up newsletters or more material. We had people come here, we helped them get their uh, affirmative defense because that's what it was back then, was just an affirmative defense. 
we did a lot of things. You know, we did a lot of well, organizations. We didn't really help them get it. We just where right. We just told go. them where. We showed them how to fill out their paperwork and and help them with that. It's not like we we took them or did anything like that. But um, we we helped a lot of people. We did a lot of fundraisers and organization uh, rallies and and it just stopped. Everything just completely stopped. You know. Um, we had a vending machine service that we had um, that we had to sell throughout this whole, you know, going through this ordeal. And it has it's really, it, it's really reduced us um, bad. You know, as far as, you know, our living and stuff, the way we are now and, and compared to what we were and how it was, I ran for mayor. And I guess that's pretty much where this really, our kind of downfall really went. Um, you didn't lose by much either. Only <coughs> 70 votes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I did run and I ran for city council. And of course, you know, running for an elected position, you have to be transparent about everything. So I did. I took all my medical paperwork and everything to the, the election board and, and let them have it. I had to take it out to the sheriff's department. And then I had to bring the paperwork here to town. So everybody that was involved coming to our house that night knew prior beforehand everything about us. Well, I'm um, sure you noticed <clears throat> the signs on the door. The Our lawyers advised us that we had to do that after everything started and have to put our stuff up on the door that way because they all knew, but in court they all said that they didn't really know. But they wouldn't even listen to us and look either. But now, if anybody comes to the door, they can't say they didn't know because it's posted. That, that they didn't know that you, what, that you were patients? Yeah, that yeah. we were medical patients. They tried to, after this had started on the stand, um, the one of the cops that had come here the night, the one who had initiated all this, tried to say that, you know, he thought that maybe the chief might have knew, but they weren't sure if we were medical patients. They thought it was a different state or something. <clears throat> right. So it, it was really, it was really the whole thing, October 31st of 2017 when they come in. And everything that they've got as far as confiscation wise, they had probably three minutes after they walked in the door because I gave them everything that they confiscated. I handed it to them. So, I mean, it was because... I didn't think we were doing anything wrong. You know, they said they come here, they wanted all the drugs and and paraphernalia and anything else that was against the law. So I said, well, I have my medicine here. He said, well, that's not medicine, that's illegal drug. It became law um, September 8th of 2016. It became law. It was a law of 2016. So, you know, we became patients shortly after that. The um, prosecutor October. said, though, in court that there was no medical marijuana in Ohio. Because he said so. And that's that's the only reason he needs <coughs> That's why he said in court. Yeah, we have all the transcripts from, from court hearing and everything. All the affidavits, everything. If you look at the case of what it is, and you look at all the evidence and everything that's involved with it, it's, it's almost kind of really, really un understandable why, why this is happening. Um, the original cop, the one that initiated this, signed the affidavit. We have all, 
we have everything to prove everything that we're saying. Um, signed the affidavit that he had had four months of constant surveillance on our home with multiple agencies. Um, and that is what he got the search warrant on that. And he pulled somebody over leaving our house that did have subsequently have cannabis on them. That's what he got the, the search warrant for was those statements and what he signed. Well, when it come out and we got to court, he backpedaled that and said, oh, well, I misspoke. I watched when I could. One time, four hours when nothing happened, except for our son came here. But that was the night that they did the search warrant, and my son was still here when they got here. So it wasn't like they were saying that, you know, four months never happened. It was four hours one time. Nothing happened. So with that, and, and apparently, I guess, law enforcement's allowed to lie as long as they lie in good faith, which I don't understand. A lie is a lie, whether it's in good faith or not. Regardless of that, um, he also testified that I take a propane torch and melt Jolly Ranchers down to make infused suckers. That's how we make our edible. The judge ruled in our case already that um, at the time of the incident, when they come into our home, that all of our paperwork is in order that we were medical patients he ruled he even ruled that we were dual medical patients and this is something that i, I know that you've been into cannabis for a long time and all of cannabis history and the prohibition of cannabis peggy and i are the very first people ever to be allowed to use cannabis even though we're being charged for cannabis I can tell that the, the emotional pain is really still fresh, even though it was 2017. They're killing me. I got new brain and spine lesions. From... This is my bond, and Glenn's looks the same on the very last stipulation. And the whole thing is, is, is if you notice, there's two number ones, and both number ones counter kind of contradict what number four is. But again, all of cannabis prohibition... Nobody has ever been able to be charged with possession and use of cannabis and the judge allow them to use and possess exactly what we're being. And that's what it comes down to. Peggy has 11 felony counts of felony fours and five possession of cannabis, possession of drugs, two misdemeanor counts of possession of drugs. I have 14 felony or 13 felony possession of drugs and two minor misdemeanor possession of drugs. With all of those possession of drugs between the two of us, we have been court ordered to possess and use drugs. That's interesting. Where does it go from here? Well, we do have on the 31st, two years to the date, um, the 31st of this month, we have, at 1 o'clock, we have a pretrial hearing. They have made a couple of offers, but um, the one offer that we did get to see, I would have to plead to a felony one manufacturing, a felony three child endangerment, felony four drug trafficking, and two felony five possession charges. About that child endangerment, though, we have a letter from the Children's Services, I guess it was called, that says clearly that we never endangered our daughter at all. Three weeks after this whole started, CPS, Children's Protective Service, they closed the case on us. But they 
allowed to plead to a felony three child endangerment even with the letter from children services the his name was kyle he said that he felt that tina was safer here than anywhere else now she's probably none of us are has safe now because if you notice those boxes on the wall we do have cameras outside of our house but, but we have reasons for to yeah. have a home protection they um, took the thing that makes the cameras work because they claim that that's going to be their evidence well the cameras won't work without that we are all a lot worse off than with that it goes along with that child endangerment our daughter left the home for one night she left and went with her brother stayed with her brother one night who was here when the cops came so right. the cop with him said really go home with your brother for because it was late and she was asleep get ready you know go sleep for school the next morning so she went and spent the night with him and they took her to school and she was allowed to come right back home and she's never been out of our custody through this entire thing. HB 523 also states that just because the parents are medical patients of cannabis, that does not constitute child endangerment. And that's what they're saying is just because is because we had drugs on the premises, that's our daughter was in, in, in danger. So now we have a, a child endangerment. The felony one stems from again the cop testifying on stand that we melt jolly ranchers down that i melt so jolly ranchers <laughs> that i'd melt jolly ranchers down with a propane torch but i'm still charged um, with that charge too even right. though he said that he believes glenn does and that night glenn told them i didn't have anything to do with anything and yeah i'm still charged with that charge too I can't imagine that this hasn't impacted you financially. Huh. We're drained. It's hard. We live day to day. We have to live. I mean, month to month is is way beyond our reach right now. I mean, I'd like to go week to week, but right now we have to go day by day. I have to go and, and do what I can on a day to day basis just to get through, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and of course, you know that the medical program here in the state of Ohio is, is very expensive and we do just barely get by now. We said we, we had to sell our, our vending machine service, which was which what we got through. We are both that. on OR bond now, but originally I had to come up with $12,585 for Glenn to get out of jail cash. And after we was able to get the money up to do that, they still kept him anyway. They took the money and deposited it in their um, account across the street and took Glenn back to jail for five more days. It was the day before Thanksgiving. I was trying to game home yeah. with our family and I sat in jail on a posted paid bond. I was bonded out all case. I even signed everything was signed, but they took me back to jail and I sat in jail until that Monday morning. Because they said he needed an ankle GPS monitor. Even though he was paying that much money, he still needed it. And then they charged us 800 more dollars for that to be on for almost two months. 67 days. Uh, no, 87. I'm sorry, 87 oh, I days. it was 57. No, 87 <laughs> days is what I had to have an ankle monitor on. $19 a day 
for an ankle monitor that we had to pay. Yeah, so yeah. all of the vending machines plus every friend I could borrow a penny off of because the only real income we have is um, on disability and we had vending machine. That's just a bunch of change, you know, but it did help supplement things. I wish there was a fund I could tell people to go and contribute to for you guys. My mom tried to start a GoFundMe and my mom is, yeah, I love her. She's like the biggest supporter and everything, but she also has a temper too and an attitude. So when she was trying to explain the reason why she was wanting to start this, she was not being completely nice about it. And, you know, she got banned from starting to go find me. And then I was trying to figure it out. And it said I couldn't raise money for somebody who is in trouble at the time. And because he was in jail, we have a petition instead. Can you tell me where that petition is? That, is that, that change.org? Change.org. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's under Keep Glenn and Peggy Free or something. Carrie Cannon is the one that started the petition. So probably change.org and her name might pull it up pretty easily. Or even change.org and our names because our names is on there. There's 1,800 and. 50 something signatures but then after i got banned from sharing stuff i guess i was the biggest sharer you know and like the signatures almost like stopped because nobody sees it anymore and we're needing court support and we can't get that out there too good either right, right. now yeah but anybody's more than welcome you know we have we both have facebook we were really easy to find on facebook just put in either one of our names um, we do also currently run the Creative Care Beacon, which is the Ohio chapter of the Human Solution International, which is T-H-S-I-N-T-L dot org. Or you can just simply give me a call at 419-863-0498. We also do court support. We go and support other people that are going through their cases, and, and we stand with them. We do letter writings for them also. I mean, even though we're going through our case, you know, people's just got to keep in mind that, you, you know, it's it's more than just Peggy and I sitting at that table. It's more than just her and I going through that case. Yeah, we're the ones sitting at that table, but it's it's way bigger than us because it, it could be anyone that consumes cannabis, it, it, whether they're in a legal state or not. You know, if you look at what the rules and, and laws are now compared to what it was before when it was just decriminalized here in Ohio, it's worse. You know, the penalties are a little worse. They're a little more stiffer and harsher. Um, look at Peggy and I, what we're going through. And we're in a legal state. We were doing things legally. We had less than what two patients are allowed to have for a 90-day supply. And we're still facing over 50 years for the use and consumption of cannabis. I do not have any trafficking charge. And he does have a trafficking charge of a felony five, I believe. A felony four. It's horrible, and, and we know firsthand by going through this case how lonely it is because, you know, it, it, it you're there by yourself. You know, you're sitting there, and there's not a lot of support. The people don't want to support somebody that's going through this stuff, but Peggy and I do. You know, that's what the Human Solution International is about. It's and, uh, about coming together. <laughs> it's about coming together and, and trying to support, you know, because if they see people that has the support they they can't keep doing this you know they, they have to stop eventually I mean it just has to come to a head and that's what we just push for you know um, our organization we started a, a walk for change and that's walk 
the number four change dot um, We're going to start in California and we're going to walk across America and we're going to try to gain as many people as we possibly can and and hopefully in November. Hopefully we're still free and can join them. Right, that would be really nice. And then hopefully in November of next year, you know, we're going to walk into Washington, D.C. And hopefully we have a million people walking with us. You know, it's a walk for change. It's to bring about change in the prisons. They have prisoners there that um, Craig Cecil uh, was a mechanic, uh, owned a mechanic shop. Never touched cannabis, never even seen cannabis, never even used cannabis. He's serving life without the possibility of parole. No chance of parole over in Terre Haute, Indiana. You got Lance Glore, who's serving a 10-year sentence from a medical state. For having uh, a legal um, dispensary. And those are the things that we need to change. We need to stop the prison system, the labor for prisoners. You know, there there's cheap labor, and, and a lot of companies use prisons for cheap cheap labor you know and they mm -hmm. still charge us the same amount and, and those are the things that we want to and need to change and that's what we're going to try to change there's a huge problem with private prisons in ohio where there is contracts that if there's not enough numbers in there those pri private prisons can sue the state of ohio you can look that up that is no a lot of people know that and um it happens with facing the judicial system, it becomes very expensive. Everybody, I mean, it, and it, it's scary. I mean, I'm, I'm scared to death. I, I'm facing 56 years in prison. That scares the hell out of me. But yet, we got to continue to fight because what they're doing is, is unfair. They just seem to get away with it because they talk their talk. They drag cases like this out, and they keep dragging it out and dragging it out, and they keep throwing... You know, it, and it seems like it's a lifeline. Oh my gosh, they're, they're offering me a deal. I need to take it. And that's exactly what happens is people run out of money. People run out of resources. They don't have the support. They get scared. I mean, facing the amount of time that you face going through this, it, it, scares, a per it scares a person, you know, it, and it drains completely. Um, this... And regardless of what amount of time, any amount of time for me will be a death sentence. They said that Department of Justice won't pay for the medicine that I have to have. I'm on my last hope. I've taken other disease modifiers for my MS, and they done bad things to me. Gave me a liver injury. One of them I had to be taken off of, and you know just. Each one that I've tried so far done horrible things. So I'm on this new infusion I have to take every six months, but it's very expensive. It costs close to $100,000 every six months. It's My easy. insurance pays for while I'm out here free, but I won't get it if I'm locked up in it. We got a bill. Without it, my get more progression more brain lesions and i will die we got a bill and i that, have the uh, positive jc antibody so i can't have the other ones it will wake that up it's very dangerous they don't care it was uh for just her one infusion it was eighty seven thousand six hundred and eighty six dollars um and that was just for eight hours of an infusion that she has to get every six months. And she wouldn't 
get back. They would force her back on. I mean, she does have a have a lot of medicine that she's on now, and twelve prescriptions four times a day. But they the don't think I'm really sick. The medicine's starting to climb back up. I mean, when this all started, when we became first medic, first became medical patients, she was on twenty two different pills uh, and two injections on a day to day basis. And we were able to get that down to six pills a day and one injection a week. Uh, but since we started this case, there was a time that we had to go without medicine for a long time. And, of course, they've taken all of our resources and everything from us that we did use to, to keep the medicine that we needed. And now that we can still use the amount that we would have to go to a dispensary and buy is astronomical. We, per what Ohio states now, by which you're allowed to go, there we would go broke. I, I mean, it's almost five thousand dollars for a for a ninety day supply for Peggy, and that's just a partial of what she really needs. There's just no way now that you, you know. It, 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 the damage that they have done is kind of irreversible no matter what the outcome of this case is. There's things that have happened that just is un, that can't be changed now. With cannabis, we were able to keep her brain lesions and, and this plaque from progressing. And now she has brain lesions and plaque that's going down her spine. And, and that's because the lack of, of funds and the lack of medicine. And of course, Ohio have drugged their feet you know, releasing different medicines, they still don't have full extract plant or, you know, oil, cannabis oil that she dire, you know, is in desperate need of. Like a Rick Simpson? Oil? Yeah. 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 And that's still not approved for Ohio use yet. So, I mean, still, even if we had the funds, we, we wouldn't be able to get what she needs to begin with. This case has broken us in in more ways than just one and, and i feel i i feel that you know i i have failed as a as a man as as a husband as a human you know to protect my family and to keep my family you know where we need to be because of this case it's really the bottom line that's what it comes down to and there's hard to see anything above that hole you know, and it just seems to keep getting deeper and deeper no matter what we do. There just doesn't seem to be an end. I don't know what Ohio's end game or end to this is for us. I know that, That's you kind know. of sick, though, because actually the, both his lawyer and my lawyer has told us on several times that they don't even care about me. That my case would go away pretty easily if they could get Glenn to take a deal. But because the prosecutor wrote in there on, I'm not allowed to take the deal unless Glenn takes the deal is the only way I'm allowed. So they offer me, I, I could have probation. Or treatment with uh, Lou a treatment. With, you know, not really any jail time in. I'd be okay, then I could have my medicine. But he would have to agree to sit in prison for a long time. They've come down from 56. I'd have it'd be 17 years. I'd have to go to prison for 17 years. For something that people in legal states are doing perfectly legally. Even in Ohio. They're doing it right here in even our in own Ohio. state. Yeah, we, seen, we got a chance to see the, the grand jury... Uh, charge papers and I had 106 and Peggy had 103 charges. 
it don't even make sense. And it, and it all comes back to the two the two main rule the actually the only two rulings that the judge has made in our case should technically have thrown our case out. I mean, he ruled at the time we were within law and all of our paperwork was in order the night they came in here. He also ruled that we're allowed to use exactly what they're still charging us with. So with those two rulings alone, he should have already canceled out our entire case. But for some reason, we're still, we're two years, we're coming up on two years dealing with this. On the 31st, if nobody, if you're not doing anything, you know, please come and, and join us. Um, stand with us at court. That way, you know, we can go and stand for other people, you know, because our fight's not over, not for us and not for everybody else. How can people who want to get behind you uh, be there? What's, so October 31st? Yeah, it's October 31st, and it's going to be at 101 North Main Street in Salina, Ohio. That's 45882. Yeah, it's... 45822. 45822. Yeah, 45822. I'm our sorry. Zip, our zip code is that, but Salina's okay. another town. Um, or, you, again, uh, my phone number is, is, is really easy. It's 419-863-0498. It's at 1 o'clock. Okay. It'll be at 1 o'clock okay. on the 31st. Um, on the third floor? Third Yeah, third floor of the courthouse. Yeah, we asked that, you know... Anybody and everybody comes out and supports us, you know, because the more people that comes out and supports us, it does show the courts that they're not going to get away with this, you know, that people are watching. We, you know, stand together. We go and support. We we supported a lot of people. We've gone to a lot of court cases for a lot of people over the last couple of years. But we want to continue to do that. We want to continue to fight for people. We want to continue to, you know, stand for other people, you know. I've, our fight's not done, and we're not done fighting until we get it descheduled and declassified. We're adults, and, and it's time that we, you know, we take back what's ours, period. The war on drugs is is a war on patients and sick people. Just look, over, look at all, go to any county jail and look at the war on drugs. It's a revolving door for most of them. The war on drugs targets sick people and patients. Addicts are sick people. That, that's all there is to it. Um, they just need help. Um, and that's what the war on drugs is. It's not a war on drugs. It's a, it's a war on people. You guys, thank you so much. I'm hoping that if people are listening to this, that they will get behind you and support you. And keep in mind, again, that you know it, it's not just about Peggy and I. You know, because we did not do nothing more than any other cannabis consumer has done or does on a day-to-day -day basis. Our case is, is much more than just about us. You know, it's about the plant itself. I'd like to thank Peggy, Sue, and Glenn for inviting me into their home to share their story of painful perseverance and hopes for a normal life going forward. Despite 11 states, including the District of Columbia, now having recreational marijuana laws on the books, and 33 states with medical marijuana programs, more than 600,000 people were arrested in 2018 for cannabis alone. 92% of those for mere possession. There were more marijuana busts last year in the United States than there were arrests for aggravated assault, burglary, arson, fraud, disorderly conduct, 
or sex offenses. In 2016, the year Governor John Kasich signed medical marijuana into law, 18,731 people were arrested here in Ohio alone. That's the entire city of Steubenville. Why are we monetizing jail time? And how have we reached a point where private prisons can sue the state for not filling its cells? Are we building an Ohio that our children will want to stay and raise their own families in? In closing, I'd like to remind listeners that the cannabis industry as we know it was not built on the backs of cannabis entrepreneurs and millionaires. Lavish lunches and stock talks are thanks only to those who have suffered the greatest price of all, their freedom. To those who've lost everything and to those who are in jail for cannabis, Something we tax and regulate now, like orange juice, you're the real heroes. And while I shouldn't have to say it, here it is one last time. Drop all charges against Peggy Sue and Glenn Keeling. Have they not suffered enough? Give them back their lives. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay green, friends.